Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rap with Reynolds YouTube channel. If you miss the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. How's your, uh, how's your situation over there, wife? It's good. Cool. I'm doing good. Cool. I love this purple vibe we got going on. We camera. do have a little bit of a purple vibe. Listen, we, we're doing something. Well, so we got lights for the background, but we're, um, I have all the other lights off because last week our air, con- our central air broke, right? Which some of you were like, oh, boo-hoo, you don't, we don't have central air. I get it. <laughs> but my central air unit, when we moved into this house 15 years ago. Yes. They, the, someone came and looked at it and they were like, yo, this thing's not going to work. Like, you're not going to make they it They called the it summer. a dinosaur. Yeah. It, so we moved in in May. They were like, this isn't even going to work for like the, the next, summer. for the summer. And every time I've been calling the same dude for the last 15 years when I need something. And he just, every time he goes, this doesn't even make sense. This thing, it doesn't make sense. It's and like I'm like a beast. I'm like, and it's that's blessed. Why it's we got still... the blessed air conditioner. We but do. it's been broken, so we've all been sleeping in the living room. I like that we just one... said we're blessed, and then now it's broken. <laughs> but really, it just it's a simple fix. We're just yeah. waiting for him. He's just He's... busy. So, you know, we're trying to keep the lights low, keep all the shades down, so it optimize the coolness factor. Because we have, like, one tiny little air conditioner in the window. Because why own air conditioners when you have central, central air? air? So, that's it. Listen, you know, wife, one of the things I, as you're walking out of the room to go finish making coffee, um, one of the things I've really been thinking about this week is this idea of, um, I was listening to a, I thought that would turn my music down. I think this is turn my music down. One of the things I've been thinking about this week before we jump into your questions um, is this idea of like, you know, I think many times in my teaching career, I've gotten to a place where like I've hit like a pinnacle. And something has gone incredibly well. A project went well. I got a great review. I got a really great raise. I took the kids on an unbelievable trip. And there's this feeling that you can get when you get there of like, oh man, like I did it. Like I made it. Like it's, it's this is the best. Um, but I think what we need to always be looking for is that next peak, is that next thing that we're going to go on to. And that can be a little bit daunting, but you know, And maybe, I don't know if this is just, like, certain people are more, and, like, I don't know. I don't know if more people are, like, just naturally like that. I don't want to make it, like, that's better than than if you're just cool. Like, if you're just, like, content in where you are, like, um, I don't know. Now I'm thinking out loud. So I think if you're content with where you are and you're happy, go for it. Like, that's the ultimate kind of, like, goal. But, like, I just think there's something to looking towards like what's the next mountain what's the next hill what's the next place we're gonna I think go even and if grow. you're content i think even if you're content you still need goals i think there's a difference in being content and happy with your life and not needing to make big monumental shifts and changes and huge goals but everybody has goals even if they're small and personal like even if you're content and happy in your life i think it's when we don't have goals and we don't strive to learn or grow in any capacity mm. is when we really like shrivel as a human yeah shrivel mm-hmm. i don't want to say we die like no. you laugh but i work we shrink 
I, right. You but shrink, you shrivel, same thing. Shrivel like, just made me think of George Costanza when he got out of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And with that, we welcome to Sunday Night start. Teacher Talk. I'm CJ Reynolds um, with my co-host, the oh. not-so-secret wife. Yeah. Um, so we are uh, we're here happy to take your questions about anything, about school, about life, about both. Um, but it's just, you know, us two and the dog sitting in here. And uh, try not to sweat to death. So I was going to say, in our your, hot laundry room. Yeah, you put your <laughs> questions in the chat, and then we'd be happy to answer anything that you've got. Um, just on the front end, if you're not, if you're new, right, there's like a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff that we do. And so um, you can find basically everything at realrapwithreynolds.com, whether that is you're looking for professional development at your school, you're looking for a keynote at your school, you're looking for, um, we are planning workshops, and I'm going to talk about those in a little bit. But um, we have three more workshops that I that I worked out that I'm gonna I'm gonna do live, uh, and so those are just just like there's tons of stuff. There's a book. There's all kinds of things. You can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com. Um, but I think, look, I think one of the best things that we ever did was we had folks hit us up after we did Sunday night teacher talk one week, and they were like, "Yo, can you make a Facebook group? Because we want to keep the conversation going." So we started it, and. There's over 5,000 people in the Facebook group from all over the world. And I would argue, and I've said this to, I've said this to companies that I've like talked to, um, that we have the best Facebook group, I think, for education on the planet. Because it's not just people complaining, it's people like getting after it um, and doing great stuff. It's, it's a place where I think, you know, when Seth Godin says people like us do things like this, it's teachers that are cut from this sort of cloth are getting after it and doing things in this sort of way for young people. Um, and for their communities, and I just think that there's there's a lot of that happening there. So, um, so if you're new, that's that's what's uh, that's what's up. What you got, bud? All right, our first question is coming from Gregory. He's saying I have several ESL and special education students in one class who all need my attention all at once. It feels. Do you have any advice to best serve them? <laughs> I, I just laugh because I'm like, oh gosh, that's like our house yes. on a normal day. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I've so Gregory. I taught for, I don't even know how many years now, um, in a co-taught classroom where, and sometimes not co-taught, like sometimes I'm just by myself. And sometimes I've had co-teachers that were, do we want to say worthless? They no. weren't, they just weren't very useful or participatory in what we were doing in class. Now, I have been blessed with some really great people, um, like, uh, you know, Miss C that I, co-taught with the last three years um is maybe the best co-teacher i've ever had and and other people in varying degrees uh but whatever so th my point is um i've had a lot of experience with like classrooms that have a lot of attention needing children like and act like not just for their social emotional well-being but like they actually need you to walk them through and and do things i think when that's the case there's a couple of different things that you can do there um, one, look, the fact that kids need your help, the kids, if the fact that kids are asking for help is a really big deal, it means they're not just mailing it in, right? The fact that someone is asking you is honoring you with their vulnerability, with what they need, whether that's social, emotional, or, you know, it's, it's just based, uh, academically that that's a big honor. So sometimes it's, it's important to just sit back and remember that piece that, Man, like when a kid comes to talk to me and tell me about what's going on in their life, what an incredible honor that is to be able to have this position. 
The second thing is, there's a couple things you can do. One, I think it's rigging the game so that kids can win. So you might want to think about the level of difficulty at which your work currently stands and figure out if maybe you can do something that is not necessarily easier, but it's chunked differently so that kids aren't working for long, broad amounts of time, that it's a simple task that you're doing. And part of the reason I do this is, you know, it's, it's life. I know that when I deal with my own children, if I give my son even two or three things to go do, he's, he forgets. He's got like maybe the first one and then the second one. Dad, wait, what are we? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, this is what he says all the time. I'm sorry. It's so sweet. Uh, what did you want me to do? And so it's bro. I need you to go do the, I need you to go water the flower on the porch, right? Is one of his tasks. All right, next, I need you to unload the dishwasher. Okay, next, I need you to go out and get all the stuff out of the car from the beach yesterday. Now, if I said, bro, I need you to, and this doesn't sound like much, right? But if I go, all I need you to do is water the flour, unload the dishwasher, and unload the car. He'll go, okay, without a, without fail, comes back <laughs> in like 30 seconds. I'm sorry, dad, what did you want me to do again? So some students just need, it's not making, they're doing the same amount of lifting, they're doing the same amount of work, the same amount of reading, same amount of questions, but you're just breaking it down into segments. And that's why I'm really big on timing kids because I think timing kids in those little sections creates a little bit of urgency, lets them know that they don't have forever. The other thing that I have found a lot of success in, there's a student, um, Ham, that was in a lot of my videos and Ham should have been, in an honors class uh it's his behavior got him out of the honors class is what happened and even though i don't think that that should even be a thing i don't think behavior should dictate whether or not you're in honors class um that's a whole nother story but ham um was in our class he loved our class i taught him two years in a row ninth grade and tenth grade and ham was one of those kids that was really high functioning and like he just got school it just made sense to him but then in his remainder of time he would be like a total pain in your he's a pain in your ass i'm just gonna we're just gonna say like ham, <laughs> Aww, ham, ham it's all right ass, we love you <laughs> we do but i love but he's one of those kids that like you love so much but like bro you're making my eyebrows are turning white now like that's like you already finished with the hair now the eyebrows are turning white so um Some days what i, I would feel like do that on my own was empower him to say, Ham, look, I love what you're doing. I need you to help other dudes out. Like, I'm, I I, need a mm. second, like, a clone of me. Um, we need some multiplicity here. And so Ham loved that, and he would go, and he was great. I thought he was kind of going to be a jerk to other kids because he was pain in my ass. Why wouldn't he be in pain in other people's asses? He was great at that. And so it was. it became occasionally... Some kids worked alone. Some kids were put in groups. And then I would take the kids that were the higher achievers, the kids that understood more, the kids that had a grasp on what was happening, and I would pair them up with certain individuals. And it was never, ever, ever done where anyone knew that, like, you know, like, oh, I guess I'm not smart. They always put someone with me or they always put the smart kid with me. It was it was like you have to do it like a little bit more nuanced. Maybe sometimes you pair kids up that don't even need to be paired up just so to create the illusion that, like, this is what's happening. But those two things I had a hot a lot of, um, a, a lot of success with, uh, and I mean I could give you twenty other points, but that's what I'm that's what I'm going with right now. 
That's one for now. All yeah, right, well. the next question is coming from Kim. She's asking, when you play background music for the class while they're working, especially hip-hop, how closely do you make sure songs are clean slash censored? I teach 10th grade in urban Philly. So, Kim, there's a couple of different things I've done over the years. Um, you could... Let me ask this. Here's my ADD. Kim, do you have a brother named Scott? Oh. Just, I'm curious. That's so interesting. Um, I, I know grew up with, with a guy one. named Scott Pickard that lived in Jersey um, and was a part of like a friend circle for a while. I'm just curious. Um, so there's a couple of things that, that I've done. One, you can find clean versions. So you type in like someone's like, yo, I want to listen to, you know, Drake, uh, Jay-Z, Lil Uzi, whatever it is. What's the clean version? Um the other thing I've done is... Wait, you can look that up on YouTube? Or you can look you it up on... Up? I look it on, on YouTube. So I you just also, look up a clean version of that person's song, yeah. a song specific, or like just the artist are you yes, looking up? Yes, the song. Okay. Um, you can also look up... Uh, so I think it's really... It's worth it's worth the investment for your school um, to pay the $15 a month to get YouTube like premium because then you don't have to listen to ads. So... but. It's worth asking, right? I don't think I'm I'm in this space now where like I don't think teachers should be paying for anything in their classrooms. Like schools, like there's money mm -hmm. for this stuff, and there's money being wasted on other things. And if you don't ask, the answers already know. And I know that last year, I got into this place where I man, I was charging everything. I was having putting everything on the school. But what I found out was that we had such high turnover that none of the other teachers were spending any of their allocated money for like we get like. $50 for incentives during the year. So I'd use it to pay for a, a cereal party or two. And, but when I found out that no one else was doing it, that means there was hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in the account for the English department. So I was like, yo, can we do another cereal party? Can we do this trip? Can we go to this place? Can I get a new whiteboard that like you can erase and it actually comes off? And I got everything approved. So if you don't ask, the answer is already no. Um, the other thing is you can look up, uh, Sometimes I don't play songs because I don't want kids to sing along, but I'll play beats. So I look up Drake-style beats and then find a playlist and play that. Or I create my own playlist. Or I just put on, like, lo-fi hip-hop beats. That works a lot of the time, but sometimes it makes kids tired because they're too chill. So you have to figure out which one. And then you also want to be, obviously, really careful about, like, what is the background. Because um, there's, like, you can either have, like, a panda bear writing a book in the woods or it's, like some young girl in her underwear laying on the couch playing a video game. What I don't know, whatever the hell else they're doing on there. So, like, just be thoughtful of that. Um, I will say my favorite thing in last year was I found DJs that were doing sets on YouTube that were, like, old-school hip-hop sets. So it still had words. It was still hip-hop. You didn't have to listen to the whole song. It was, like, a minute or two of each song. And I loved it. There were DJs I found that did all Michael Jackson stuff. So it was like everything from like more like Michael Jackson solo artists to Jackson 5 to everything in between. Do you have someone that you can recommend that they can look up to start I, that? I Who, What was a DJ that did that? I How can I do this? I'm going to... say one. They can Google it. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Oh. So DJ Jazzy Jeff does great sets. Questlove... I don't know if Questlove has anything on YouTube. But DJ Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff... Um, type in like DJ sets and it's all over the place. I mean, he plays all kind. He'll take, he'll take Toto Africa from Toto and then turn it into the Jackson five and turn it into black sheep and turn it into like everything else. It's awesome. Okay, so that's, don't that's get, how I do Don't it. get them started on that. I, know, I get all Um, okay. Well, some out. people said that, uh, they wanted to just note, they said the clean versions have no lyrics at all. 
um, online. Some of them. Yeah. But some of them are like the radio version. Right. And then someone else said, sometimes clean versions aren't so clean, so listen closely. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and I noticed this last night, um, it was, there's this radio station in Philly, 105.3, and on Saturday nights, they do like old school, like mix. It's like R&B and hip hop mix. It is, man, it makes me want to go do errands. It's so good. But oh, wait, what night is that on? <laughs> it's on Saturday nights. It's the one we listen to all the time. Wow. In the car. So last night they were playing House of Pain came on. Oh, and that they was had the okay, um yeah. if your B steps up, I'm smacking the right. They bleeped all of that out. But if you listen to it on a different radio station, they might just bleep yeah. out like ho, but not the B word. Like it's it, they're they're right because some it's like what is safe to certain people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like or for yes, certain grades or for certain environments or for certain students. So right. yeah, something to be thoughtful of. Go ahead, dude. All right, our next question is coming from Patty Cakes three twelve. Love it. Um, asking any ideas about a movie or TV show that deals with setting goals. I teach tenth grade. Did a unit in decision making. Now we'll talk about goal setting. There is. Hmm. I don't know how to pull it up. So I would say there's a there's a TED talk that I talk about in my book that I like that lends itself to that. Uh, not exactly, but it's this guy, Phil Hansen. If you look up Phil Hansen, Embrace the Shake. I talk, there's a whole chapter in my book about it. Um, there's another guy that I'm going to forget his name. I'm going to post it. Can you make a note? I'm going to post it. I'll, I'll pin the comment um, after we're finished, and I'll put that link in there. What but it's, it's this guy. It's a TED Talk. I'll know. It's TED it's Talk goal setting. Oh. There's another dude that does... Um, talks about how he has found incredible sick he has like severe adhd and but he's gone on to like achieve world records he's done all this incredible stuff he's a millionaire um and he's done this by breaking all of his daily activities into 10 minute increments and so that's how he grows what he does and that every time i show it to my students are a little bit bored in the beginning but they, it is always something that they walk away with of like, oh man, like I could do 10 minutes. So interesting. Like, Actually, that's a question that just came up. One of the, I always look at what's at the bottom and at the top because yeah. I have to say it both. So I just saw um, someone ask like tips for dealing with like when you're a teacher that's dealing with your ADHD or dyslexia, like how do you deal with those? Um, yeah. You don't have to answer that now. Okay. I, I want to be no, fair man, and go to, to people. I know. I, I saw you ready to bite. Are you, did you answer that one? Yeah, I was going to do a biting thing. Never mind. That was yeah, so don't dumb. do that. No. Okay, let's move on. Stephanie Henry is asking, I have such a wide range of student academic level. I teach grade 6 math, and I have some testing at second grade and some at 10 and up. Uh, differentiation help. Help. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm curious if anyone in the group has, like, for math. I know how I deal with that in English. Um, but I think for math, I'm wondering how are folks navigating that space when you have kids on such wildly different levels? I think part of it is making sure that kids are getting the help that they need. So like making sure you're like talking to your special education department, making sure that students are getting the help that they need, um, making sure you're talking to parents and making sure that they're aware of where their students' abilities are and you know, um, and if it's safe or if it's something that your school does, it's making sure parents are discussing these things with the special education department. Um, I know some schools, like, the teachers aren't allowed to suggest that. Like, and I've even been told in the past, like, well, watch how much you tell people that. Um, it's I like, think by well, law, what? you're actually not supposed to say you, right. like, suspect Well, I'm not going to say that I have. 
before, but <laughs> I have. Um, so breaking the law. So uh, the other thing is, I think communicating with parents, and you know, one of the things we're always saying is that, like, when you're communicating with parents, you want to make sure that you are uh, finding out like what has worked for that student in the past. So maybe the parent already knows that there's a struggle. Maybe that there's not you know, maybe the IEP isn't a good enough or it's not strong enough or the school doesn't offer the services that are really going to help. So in that case, what has worked best in the past and um, what has not? And then I think it's talking to your team also, like going to your grade level team and saying like, look, here's a problem and and I want to find a solution, right? This is a little different than just saying that there's a problem. Here's a problem and I want to find a solution how can we work together as a team to support these individuals? And then really identifying those kids that are struggling. And then I think the other piece is, uh, Steph, is like, once you understand where people are, it's helping those kids to see their improvement. So if you started off the year on a second grade level, can you get to 2.5? Can you get to 3? Can you get to 3.5? Like, what is the goal? And then those building belief in those young people that they can do better if they if they kind of trust the process. Um, but that process has to come from you all. It's not something like a sixth grader is going to come up on, on, on their own. But it's like, here's the thing. Here's what we identified. Here's how we've gotten you help. Here's how we're going to help you grow. Here's how we're working together as a team. And we're talking to your family. And we're talking to the grade level team. And I've been um, talking to our special education department. And we're doing everything that's possible. Now, we just need you to trust that this is actually worth something and that you can do it. And then I think building a plan around young people like that, um, it also just makes you feel seen and cared for uh, as well. And that, that can be enough to make kids like really, really want to try. All right. Our next question is coming from Linda. She's asking, hi, Reynolds. How do you know when the school you're teaching at is right for you? What are some of the key things that you look for in a school as a teacher? So, you know, the funny thing is that uh, – I often first see the things I don't want to be a part of. So it's, so for me, it's, I don't do micromanaging. Um, I like it autonomy. Uh, I, I prefer autonomy and that's, to, that speaks to the kind of teacher I am. I realize that not everyone likes autonomy or, or, or wants it. Um, I look for like, is it somewhere that people seem happy? Like when you walk around, are kids getting in trouble in the hallway? Are they running around? Then it's a, it's wild. Like, look, I, I teach, I, you know, I, I taught in inner city for 16 years for a reason, right? Like I wanted to go somewhere that like not everyone wanted to go. I felt called there. Like that was my mission was to be somewhere like that. Um, and it, so that's going to come with a certain amount of, of dealing with students that have been through trauma, dealing with violence in the neighborhood and, and, you know, other factors but when you're when you're there it is you know i i have although i was in in a school where like we were regularly shut down had to close our doors because there was a you know a shootout in front of the school right were the people that i was with about that though because i think you know i've worked also at, at inner city schools and i worked in camden i'd say it was split there were a lot of folks that seemed like they couldn't get a job anywhere else. So it's like, are the people that are at your school, are they by and large, I don't know that you're ever going to get everyone, are they by and large about the work? Are they about the kids? Is the work that we're doing focused on student achievement and not just the school looking good um, or, or checking boxes or something like that? Is the pay 
good. Gang, if you can help it, do not live under your means so that you can do work, right? Your kids should come before everyone else's kids. And so that's just part of my hierarchy in life anymore, right? Is that like my students used to come before my family, used to come before my kids, and that's not the case. Not to mention, my children at home don't benefit when my students at school have a good day. But my students at school definitely benefit when my, when when home's going well, like y'all know it. When mm-hmm. home's not going well, school sucks. Like school, or it's not as good as it could be. So it's looking for pay that's going to like, you know, in Philly, I'll say that like simple things like in Philly, we got paid all summer. Um, and in Camden, we didn't. So I had to have four jobs in the summer to keep that going. I look for things like, I, I know this seems trivial, but I want my own room. I don't want to, I don't mind sharing a room, but I don't want to move. I don't want to move from room to room to room. I don't want to teach seven different subjects uh, a day or six different subjects in six periods. Uh, I want, I want freedom to be able to bring people in if I want freedom to be able to go on trips. If I want, I want to know that, you know, like I have some say in the reading list cause I want it to be inclusive. I want, to, I want my books and my, and the work that we're doing in class to reflect the students that I'm teaching. So those are just some of the things, uh, you know, I want to be able to ask like the school, like, what are you doing about teacher retention? And, and, and have it be an answer that is teacher focused. Like it's less about putting more on teachers and more about how can we let teachers just teach and not have bus duty and lunch duty and bathroom duty and hallway duty. And then, and then teach five to six periods a day. What, bro, what? Like that, that kind of stuff. And I will say that like my school in West Philly, when I went there, when I started, they just, all they did was just keep taking things off your plate. There was no sign in. You didn't have to sign in when you came in. Why would I sign? I'm a grown up. You didn't have to clock in. You didn't have to um, have a, even a parking pass. It was just like park wherever you want. They took away. We didn't have to do lesson plans as long as you had at least two to three years experience. You didn't do lesson plans um, unless you had like really bad reviews and then like that they thought that was something that was going to help you. There was complete autonomy. I picked all the books that I wanted to read. I could go anywhere. I could do anything. I could go to anywhere in the school without asking. And have to ask permission to take my students outside. And have to ask permission to play a movie or to a TV show to to to, to talk about what we were doing. It was just like it was incredible. That's it. Are Sorry, I I could <laughs> talk forever on that topic. That was a little rant there. We're getting we're getting some uh, we're getting some questions. I really feel like I could mm-hmm. go with. All right. Well, let's see if you can go with this one. This is from Esther. Uh, got any ideas for helping an inclusion classroom keep volume under control when having discussions? I feel like it's super tricky in science class to do, and yet there are kids who need a quieter environment. Yes. So uh, I thought that was Spanish at the end for some reason. I thought it was quieter environment. I was like, I was like, <laughs> is it Latin? I'm so slow on the pickup sometimes. So Esther, I would say. Um, one, all right, I'm going to speak on both sides of this. One, I think volume is something that gets teachers nervous, um, but it's okay. I think loud classrooms are okay. Now, are we just being loud or are we practicing active listening, right? So you can, it's, those are two different things. Um, I, cause I would say my class is loud a lot of the time and I just don't care like i want kids to be like it's just loud like everyone's talking it just gets loud so does the cafeteria right it just gets loud um however are we 
actively listening to one another. So when we are having discussions, what I lay down for kids is, look, this is why it's important to be quiet when we're having a conversation. One, we need to be able to hear everything everyone's saying. And you need to be able to practice the patience to wait your turn. That when any good argument is happening, you're not simply listening and thinking of the thing you want to say next. So oftentimes what we do is we listen for a certain amount of time and then you think of what you want to say next and you stop listening to everything else. That doesn't even make sense. Like you need to be able to listen to their whole argument for a couple of reasons. One, it's respectful. Two, if you want to really speak back against what someone is saying or add something on, you want to make sure, my man, thank you, my man, I don't know. Oh, so you're my woo, you're my woo man. Um, they wife made me coffee. Sorry. Um, so you want to be able to hear the whole argument so you can speak against it, right? When you see two lawyers in in there, you, a lawyer doesn't just stop thinking or, or or listening. They're constantly listening to their opponent to see if they can best them. So it's just in your own it's in your own self interest to to listen carefully. Also, we need to practice that people's stories are important and I want people to feel comfortable sharing and if you just keep cutting them off, you're not gonna be allowed to, to, to share your story, right? So like that, that's part of it. Um, you know, so it's really to me about breaking it down and look, I, I've had this said to me and I, I know that this is annoying, but it's, it is what it is. Leaders are repeaters. So you have to constantly say, when you go to say to kids, why do I have to say the same thing all the time? Because you do, because they're kids and they don't remember everything. And you're not the only teacher they have. And if the other teachers like kids get away with it, sometimes it's hard for them to remember, oh yeah, we're in this class and this is how we do things in this class when this is going on. So that kind of thing is important as well. But um, you know, I th to me, it's really having those conversations with kids, not like they're kids, but like they're adults and you're, res you're, you're respecting them, but helping them to understand why this is important. Um, I think the other thing is, uh, the last thing I'd say is giving kids a time limit, man. Make it like the Oscars. You can say your piece, but you have 30 seconds. Because we all know there's certain dudes that will go on and on and on and on in perpetuity for the rest of forever. And it's like you have to tell them, like, you have five seconds left. You have three seconds left. You have two seconds left. Whatever it is. And then Stop. I want someone starts talking over them. Tyler, I really want to hear your opinion. I'm giving him 20 more seconds and then we're going to have to hear, we're going to hear from you. So I want to, I want you to do this. I want you to listen so well that you're gonna be able to repeat back his argument when I ask you about it. And then that is active listening skills as well. Go. All right. Next is Justine uh, asking any questions for welcome back activities when you loop with your students, not the typical get to know you stuff. Grades nine through 12. I, um, so when I, one idea is when I taught ninth grade, we did the Life Odyssey, which is something I've talked about here forever. Um, ten moments in your life from birth till now that got you to be the person that you are today. The other thing is your when I had the same students in tenth grade, it became more about what are ten goals that you have in your life. So what is something that you're looking forward to in your life? What are like, and I don't just want some like half-ass answer i want to know like where do you want to live what kind of house do you want to have so some kids are like yo i'm gonna live in west but i want to have like a mansion and it's like dude there's no mansions in west philadelphia like you know there's not even a room <laughs> that you could buy like 
like are you gonna level a block and put like something in like where were you, you put it in the park like i don't understand where this is happening so like where do you want to live who's living with you what do you want to drive what kind of job do you want to have where are you going on vacation then i would have kids write a descriptive paragraph about that write a why to that because sometimes it was like because you know they want to take care of their mom they wanted to have their brothers and sisters to have somewhere to go they want to you know, revitalize a, a local basketball court so kids have a safe place to play, um, things like that. And then I have them price it out. So what we're doing is sort of creating this life vision, which is something I've done like like extensively where I know exactly what my ideal life will cost and then um, and what I want to have happen in that life, like what life looks like when it's like that, but then pricing it out. I think that's just a really good life skill. And so that's something that I've done with students as well that they loved. And it was really fun to hear about like, all right, this now I have a sense of where you came from and now I have a sense of where you're going. And then you can tie those ideas back into lessons for the rest of the year. You can attach those whys, um, to, like use those whys when you're having conversations with students that are like disenchanted or don't want to do work. And it's like, yo, I thought like, I thought we were helping grandma out so she didn't have to work two jobs for the rest of her life. So now we're not, now we're not doing that. Like we're just like, we're going to tell grandma she has to keep, you know, working uh, at CVS and at some factory all night to for forever, or are we getting, getting stuff done? Like, I'm just curious. And so that helps when I'm talking to kids too. All right. The next question is coming from Mr. Burke. Uh, hey Reynolds, I just remembered you talking about your own challenges with undiagnosed ADHD dyslexia. Any tips for someone in a similar boat trying to make teaching sustainable? So, you know, I didn't know the, the, the funny, the funny part is this first. So I didn't, like you said, I didn't know I was undiagnosed ADD and undiagnosed dyslexia. Right. And so, um, the fact of just knowing that that's a thing is so utter, like for those of you, like there's tests you can just do online, like to give you a sense, like you don't have to go to the doctor, you can do a test online, just give you a sense. And that's so freeing to know, because then you know, you're just not like a mess, like it makes things make sense. And it doesn't necessarily give you an excuse, but it gives you a reason of like, oh, okay. So then you have to come up with best practices to do the work that you're doing. So I find that meditation helps me a lot. Um, I meditate every single morning. I have done it for years. I will meditate for anywhere. It depends on my timing. 10 minutes, don't love it. Um, but I'll go as long as 45 minutes uh, to an hour sometimes when I'm meditating in the morning. Like when I, if I can hit that that flow state, then I'm just like, man, I don't even want to get out. I want to say that I think that that's an answer that most people don't love. But in my research and like focus and how to have better focus, because I also just struggle with focus and I wonder if I have like an undiagnosed um, ADHD because I'm just always all over the board and I flip from a million different things and never complete things. But in in a, a bit of that research I came across, it's like really meditation is the best tool for yeah. that. It's, it is the process of like, it's the training. Like if you want to train to be a better, have better focus, you literally have to do an exercise for it. And meditation is the exercise for it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not the good answer. That's not the answer I wanted to that's search not for. What I want. That's I not what I wanted to hear. I want to meditate. Okay. That's um, usually the answer in life is never what I want to hear. When I'm sitting alone in my room and I'm trying to get work done and I'm distracted by 57 other things, I can literally just take a deep breath and it's almost like you're dipping back in to, to that, that meditation mind skill. space. Yeah. Like, All right. 
and then you can actually get stuff done. The other thing is I break things into um, into uh, short time frames, right? So like I will say like I have this, I just got, I literally just got rid of it because I got to make a new one. Um, Robin Sharma talks about this idea of the tight bubble, bubble of total focus. So I will put on either a timer or I'll put on a playlist. And at the end, I only have this time to do this task, right? So like this task is all I'm doing right now. I am not multitasking. I, if something blinks on my phone, I turn it over. Um, my family knows not to come in and interrupt me. They know not to let the dog or the cat back into the office because they will stand at the glass door and make noises until I let them in. Um, I wear AirPods to cut out external so I'm not hearing my neighbors argue back here or construction going on or anything. I'm getting into this tight bubble of total focus and this is the singular thing that I can do. Um, I think it's Neil Strauss says that he limits the, what he can do also. There's no snacks, there are no drinks, there are no anything. You're only doing a thing. He does it in front of a window and when he's writing, so if he's writing a new book, he said, I have two options. I can either stare out the window or write the book. That's the only two things I can do. Oh my gosh, so, that would be awful for me. I love staring out the window and yeah, looking at But then the you know you're not goodbye. getting it done. But then it's but true. you can't like get up and go fold laundry. Yeah. You can't take a break and go to the bathroom. You're not gonna go make some tea. You're not gonna like <laughs> Yeah, eventually the I would do the thing that Yeah. So you got those two things that you can do. So stare at a wall then, right? Like it's like I can either stare at that wall or I can do work. Those oh, are the yeah, only that'd two be things torturous. I can do. <laughs> and what I find is that I get into these rhythms where I'm getting stuff done. The other thing is I will, and this has driven my wife crazy forever, but I always say it, just do it for five minutes. Pick the thing. Like, so, um, uh, Samuel Clemens. You know why Mark that doesn't Twain. work for me? Because tricks. I like, I, I go, I know I'm tricking myself. I know if I do it for five minutes. I know, but I get mad, so then I don't do the trick. It's just like when I go to the gym when I'm mad, right? Like, I go to the gym. And I'm like, it almost aggravates me that that's the thing yeah. that resets me. Like, it's I don't want to go to the gym right now. I freaking hate going to the gym anyway. But then I make myself go to the gym and then I always feel better yeah. every freaking time that I go. And I know I'm tricking myself, but some of it is just biochemistry. It's not getting, it's remembering that your feelings are attached to your brain and that if I can figure out the brain and what works, then who cares? So yeah. what I'll do is... Um, Mark Twain says, first thing in the morning, swallow the frog, something like that. And that means like pick your hardest, most difficult task and do that. And when you don't want to do that, break it down into, can I do this for five minutes? Um, or can I put, if, I, if my house is a total disaster, like can I put five things away? And then when you're done those five things, you have a question. That question is, can I do five more? And if you can, then do five more. If you're done, then you're done. And you at least got five things done. But those are like little tricks I use to kind of like keep my head um, from going too many places at once. And every once in a while, I'll just say, um, I just do activity vomit. We're like, which sounds disgusting, but uh, <laughs> I just allow myself to have 30 minutes, especially when there's a lot of like little tiny things that I have to do, like text this person back. I have to shoot this email. I just have to drop this thing in the mailbox. I have to walk this thing to the post office. I will allow myself 30 to 60 minutes to just do a whole bunch of little crap. And then it that almost like, it, it's like, I got to do, all right, I got to do that. Now I can go back into the tight bubble of total focus for as long as necessary. All right. Our next question is coming from Ethan. Any tips or tricks for an undergraduate sophomore in college studying secondary education? Mm. <laughs> I think Ethan, the, the thing that, 
lacked at my college anyway. I went to Rowan University, and Rowan has changed and grown a lot since I've been there. But when I was there in the late 90s, uh, we didn't have access. This sounds so weird. We didn't have access to students until I think it was our senior year, maybe end of your junior year. But it just meant that everything else was theory. Like everything else you were learning about education was like theory. And it's like, that's like sitting in the locker room and learning about football and not getting to go on the field or like actually throw a football or catch a football or hit someone or learn how to tackle or run a play. Everything was theory. So that that's problematic. If that is the case for you, and I know a number of other schools, like there's another Philly school called St. Joe's and they do a great, the kids are in like first semester of college, you're in schools in front of students learning from teachers and like in the real world if that is not a part of your experience i would say it is finding ways to make that a part of your experience go out contact teachers contact schools contact tutoring agencies and find ways to get connected where you're actually either working with students or working with teachers that are working with students but you're getting that real world feel that's going to allow you to do two things one it might inspire you to see things and and do things that you really love and two it may let you see stuff that it's like oh let's make a note of that because i definitely don't want to do that and then take notes always 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 be taking notes whether it's on your phone whether it's on i i like doing it on my phone because i can keep everything organized digitally <laughs> but like um it's it's constantly taking notes and and figuring out as you're going towards your first ever classroom who do I want to be and, and who do I definitely not want to be when I get to my classroom? What's All up, right. dude? All right. Our next question is coming from Shana. She's asking, this has been a hard start to the week. Two out of something high school students were in a car accident heading to senior celebration at school and passed away. Oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. One, one was in my math class last year. Oh, I don't know know if that's so, a particular question but was there a second part i mean i, I can speak that to I, that absolutely. yeah go ahead and I'll so search. shana first of all like that's something horrific and i don't know as teachers i think mm. you know like for let me just say this and i'm really sorry that that happened like I, i'm really sorry for like and know that for what it's worth um we will act like actively pray for your school and those students and their parents i mean those are parents that like have lost their babies for forever like and and that is that sort of tragedy is something that you know some people are going to get over faster and some folks are going to take longer to get over that i know like i remember when my mom passed i was just after my 22nd birthday my mom died and like um everyone else kind of got back to life friends that got back to life or wanted me to get back to life again and it was i couldn't like i was broken i was literally broken after my mom died and so going through that what i learned was to have empathy with folks and i even have to do this now like my wife lost her dad three years ago and it was all of a sudden heart attack got a call one morning that he had passed and um i sometimes still think we're back to regular life and we're not and so it's taking that time to to like let people process how they're going to process so that's going to be for you it's going to be for other teachers it's going to be for the students that are in a part of your community and all your students and teachers are going to respond differently to this but just keeping an eye out for those that still need the process that still are hurting that realizing that behaviors sometimes stem from these sorts of traumas so it's it's being mindful of that i think it's also 
you know, as educators, we tend to push down our own feelings, our own needs so that we can take care of kids. And I don't know that that's the move either. I think that it's really, really important for you to take care of yourself. You can only give what you've got. And so making sure that if you need to see a counselor, if you need to seek therapy, if you need to do whatever it is, um, talk to someone at your school. Like if you're not even sure where to get a therapist, like talk to your human resources department and find out like, is this something that's covered by health insurance? Can I get it? How often should I do it? Like find those things out. So you're, so you are unpacking and dealing with your own hurt and your own pain so that you can then in turn help other people. I think the other thing is making sure like, Look, we've had situations in our school where we've lost a, a lot, way too many young people, tip, usually to gun violence. Um, and when we show up at school, they always hire like some group to come in to like counsel the kids. And no kids ever want to go to those groups. Um, it, it is, it, and when I ask kids about that, like they always say the same thing. They're like, I don't know those people. I'm not trusting them. And Interesting. So, I was in high school, and we had, um, in my high school career, I had actually two really fr- like friends that were in my friend circle past. One was a suicide, and the other one was an overdose. And during those, the school support that they tried to do, those counseling and those sort of things, like just fell flat. I remember I tried to go, and it was like so lame that I was like, "Yeah, this is so stupid. Why am I even here?" No, <laughs> and I left it, and we yeah. went and did other things. So what happens is you get, end friends. up like my class and Flounders and Hannah, like. Our class would be filled but we with didn't kids even had we didn't even to be fair like we didn't even have like teachers like that that we felt connected to yeah. like that didn't exist in my high school career like we had teachers that were like me either better than the others but I didn't have ones that like that you have the type of environment that these teachers are, that are in this community that create in their classrooms we didn't have that and so we literally cut school and went and hung out and did stuff elsewhere outside of school but. Um, if yeah. we would have had that and could have gone to a, a classroom and been together, because we just wanted to be together, right? Essentially, but yeah, yeah, that's important. So if I were in, if I were a teacher in that high school at that time, I would have done one of two things: either gone to administration and said, "Hey, look, we need this isn't working. Like, we need a better place." Um, and if that didn't work, if school didn't do that, I would just grassroots it. I'd get all my people together and say, "What? Are, how are we handling this? How, Which what I think is typically what kids? you even did at, at your school that you that's were at, like because yeah. it wasn't like a your school didn't take that on no. and do it. It I was put like a movie, your, movies the, on for a week and just create an open door policy. Well, in my it's classroom. kind of where you got that like teaching as a communal activity, yes. right? Like because that's really you just gather with all the your teachers that you get together with your support. people and you figure it out yourselves and. And I don't get mad at the school. I don't get upset. It's, it's the school is the school. Like yeah, we all they're know gonna what do what they're gonna do. Systems are. But doesn't mean I have to follow it. Like I'm I'm here for kids. I'm I'm trying to help kids thrive. Yeah. And so I think that's some of what happens in my experience. Take care of yourself during that time, Sheena. That's really hard too. When you're loving all of those people, you have to make sure to love and care for yourself. Absolutely. It's easier said than done. Yep. All right. Our next question is coming from Ash. First year teacher here at middle school ELA starting Thursday. Yay. I won't know anything about my school's expectations or curriculum till Tuesday. What are some things that I should try to prep now on my own? Ash, first of all, this is not acceptable. <laughs> um, this is, uh, I get it. Um, to some, no, no, I don't. I don't. Get it. Um, it but, happens. You've yeah. been there. You've had it I've happen had it to happen. you. Right. Uh, I, at my familiar. first job, I got 
I finally got the curriculum. Do you remember this? I do. They gave which me is the scoping sequence, and it looked like someone made a Xerox and then made a copy after they made a copy while someone you kept shaking their arms. It. it was like it was like what this looks like a treasure map. You were like, like, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't read any of the words. I don't even know what the hell this says. And when I asked for another copy, like, yeah, it's the only one we have left. What? My man, what? Like, this is your main copy? Yes. This is the copy that no. I'm going to make copies from? The Declaration of Independence <laughs> is in better shape than this, and that's 200 years old. Like, what are we doing here? So, oh, um, so I get it. So here's, here's what I would do. Uh, I would plan out my first week and have it do nothing to do with the curriculum. So like what, one of the things I love to do, and look, one of the things, and let's talk about the workshops right after this, because I think it's gonna play into this. Um, one of the things we're gonna do is we did a back to school boot camp, and it was a live experience. And then I've had a whole bunch of people ask me since then, like, could they still purchase it? We're figuring out right now the logistics of that, but we're gonna have that up for purchase in case anyone wasn't able to do it or didn't think they wanted to do it, but now they're thinking, yeah, I do wanna do it. And that comes with all the resources and everything. So. In that, I talk about how I roll out my first week and none of it has anything to do with curriculum. We're not learning like any traditional way in the beginning of the school year. So I do things like the life odyssey. I do stuff like really deeply getting to know my students and having conversations with them around and things, going over the syllabus. Um, there's just, a, there's a different way that I kind of like blend into the school year than, so if I, and that, some of that came out of, not having anything to start the school year with or not having books or not knowing what room I was going to be in or how many classes I was teaching or when they would like, you know, when school springs on you that, oh yeah, by the way, you're teaching two sections of senior English. And you're like, what, huh, what? Like school starts tomorrow. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, well, someone quit and now we need you to take over. <laughs> so um, that's, that's that. I would say going forward. So that I would figure out some things that you could do like the Life Odyssey to help you through that um the other thing is in going forward uh, and so look can i ask a question of everyone in the chat too if you could give ash this is ash martinez uh you see the profile pic on here if you could give them some ideas on how like some things you do that don't necessarily tie into your curriculum what are some ways that you start the year off i think that would be really really helpful and useful to them as well but um for folks that like are in the similar situation, next year you need to make sure that this does not happen. I push until I get an answer. I wanna know what room I'm in, how many classes I'm teaching. I don't care that you didn't get the schedule done yet. I didn't care. I don't care that your calendar's not done yet. I don't care that you're backed up. It is your job as a leader to make sure that things are rolling. Like we're following you. And when you don't even know where we're going, how we're getting there, how many people are gonna sit in the car, am I sitting in the middle, am we taking a bus, are we, are we hitchhiking? Like, you gotta let me know what the plan is. That is the leadership's job to be able to have that vision and know how they're going to implement it. And so I push all the time, and you can do this nicely. Yo, it's Reynolds again, just wondering like how many classes am I teaching this year? Am I still in room 106 or whatever the hell I wanna know? Um, it's just asking in a very nice and consistent way. I think email's better than verbal because then that, it's like, just keep responding to the same email and then you have a written confirmation also of, of all the times that you've asked to do something or asked for clarity on something. But I think that that's important too, that sometimes, you know, um, sometimes look, and this is no diss to leadership, there's a lot going on. Uh, 
but sometimes there are things that you just forget or you forgot that someone asked you that or you were in the middle of seven things and someone asked you in the hallway ah so sending a written reminder and then just following up you know like that, that's something i've really learned from business also is that i've worked with certain brands that when they needed something like a deliverable finished and sent they i've worked with people that are like hey just stand on top of your inbox just curious what's going on with this and that's it it's just like a nice gentle reminder of what you is what is needed all right our next question is coming from john fox john fox favorite novels for middle schoolers just a great story great character and written in a way that keeps kids interested the whole way i'm old john um so everything (laughs) i have is old i loved uh where the red fern grows one of my favorite stories of of my life i um to the point where like if i had a poster in my room around that i would have it um what are you thinking i was thinking would that still hold true today for kids? i think it's a great book okay. yeah um uh well they have some suggestions on here with the outsiders percy jackson percy jackson's good um i love the giver but hated the end i'm not a, like i'm not like a Oh, what do you think happened at the end, person? No, I want to know. Just tell me what happened. And see, I'm the opposite. I like this. No, I can't. Like, <laughs> I know. It just ends, and you're like, what happened? What the hell just took place? Like, yeah, um, I think I feel like um, Randy's Instagram would be a really good one to follow because he's always, since that's his YA is his jam. Yeah. Um, he uh, he's an all YA a author. Idea. He's a great person to to follow because he's always sharing um, new books that come out. Because he's always on like the new and recent yeah, that's, no, that's he's coming out point. so i think he's a really great instagram cj's gonna pull that up for you to follow and so he's my got buddy a couple randy, of books a couple of ya books that yeah, have done really really well so my friend randy rebuy um he is a filipino writer he is incredible dude um and so this is his instagram can you see that i'll just get it to focus on that i need to get my big head out of there this is really great. This is this is some technological. There it goes. If you follow Randy, he will constantly put you onto books that he is reading. He reads ferociously. Him and his wife, they read like crazy. Um, and I would even say this: you can go over there and DM him and say Reynolds told yeah. me to DM you and ask you what books my middle school students should read or what your recommendations are. And he'll um, give you probably a will. whole list. He He's will awesome. Get, he'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. All right, so our next question comes so look, from... Sometimes, oh. Look, sometimes I got the answer, and sometimes I just know the person that has the answer. That's how we roll. So I don't have the... We don't definitely know. don't have all the answers. Take that, but... take that life advice. All right, Sandra is asking, I teach German ESL in Austria, and things are completely different. Each period has their room, and they stay yep. there all day. How can I organize myself slash lesson materials if the classroom isn't mine? So, Sandra, it's... Uh, I've I've heard of this model before, and they, there's a number of different countries that do it. Where like I feel like they even talked about that during COVID in the states. Like, what if we have students just, you know, yeah, all which say I was teachers like, no. rotate? <laughs> um, which I mean made sense, but like it does. It's hard for kids. Anyway, that's like the the whether or not the model is a good idea is <laughs> not the question. There, right? yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that I would do one of two things. I would have multiple sets of things that you need and like keep them in that room. Or I would just get like a really cool cart and, and push my stuff around with me. Um, 
I've significantly pared down my essentials. So like I could probably fit in a book bag what would be my, my absolute essentials. Um, with the exception of like, I really like those really big posted note, like giant sticky paper things. Uh, but everything else I would just like probably have like a little, I'd ask for, I, I would ask in the room. I don't know if this is a possibility. Can you have a wall? Can you have a corner? And it's like, this is my corner. And in my corner, this is where my things stay. This is where I post assignments or things that you should be working on or due dates or a calendar or whatever it is. But I have like this, the most cool corner you could ever imagine with like, it has like shelves on it and a special light. And like, you really like dial it in and make it really awesome. And then in each room, you just have a corner. And that would be fairly inexpensive, especially if you can get the school to pay for your stuff or if you use donors choose and you get things like um, done or, you know, for teachers, we make something from nothing all the time. So that would be kind of how I would do that. And then you still have a place where you feel like you have like a little bit of ownership when you go there. Um, like it's a timeshare or something like that. <laughs> timeshare in the class. I'm wondering if anyone else does that too. I'm going to throw it back to everyone again. Uh, does anyone have any suggestions for Sandra that uh, that would be helpful if you are the one moving from classroom to classroom and the students are the ones staying in the class? This could even be something that like, if you're a co-teacher, you're probably in the same position. If you're a para, you might be in the same sort of position too, where you're like constantly moving. If you teach like a special, like I know like uh, sometimes art teachers don't have an art room, but they're moving from room to room and stuff. Like how do you kind of do that sort of thing? That's so, so you, hard for Without art losing to your do. mind. Yeah. Um, she said that's a really common, pra it's a common practice in Austria. Yeah. Interesting. So the other thing I've done too is like, I've had places where, I just like find a lone closet in the school that no one's using. Sometimes I ask for permission and sometimes I don't. And I just take over the closet or the little space. I, I once took over our school's entire basement because no one went down there. Um, and then they cleaned it out after I got down there because they were like, oh, yeah, look, this is usable. Let's do this. Thanks, Reynolds. Um, real... Careful, that might backfire yeah. on you. <laughs> real quick, before we jump into this, uh, this next question. We are having, uh, by, by, you know, we're trying to meet people's requests. Everything we've ever done on this channel has been by request. It's the Facebook group, a request. The writing a book, a request. More videos, live feeds, all mentoring. the stuff is mentoring has all come out of people asking for it. So what we're getting a lot now is the back to school boot camp went really well. It was a, it was two nights talking about classroom management and how to build relationships with students. Um, it went really well by all accounts that we heard from anyway. Um, no one asked for it for a, a refund a refund so <laughs> what we want to do is do three more we're going to do them every other week um starting september mid-september i forget the date off the top of my head which is not really good marketing um but it, my daughter's birthday is on the september 15th so we tried to go around that uh, i think it was maybe it was september 11th anyway um they will be available to begin purchasing this week. We'll make a big deal out of it. And they're going to focus on three key sections that when I asked folks, these were the three things that folks asked for trainings about or workshop about the most. So that's going to be lesson planning. It's going to be lesson planning 101, how I basically create a unit plan from scratch and, and create that. Now, what I'm doing this for, I teach high school literature but I think that this is going to be applicable to anyone that um, from middle school, I'd say sixth grade 
and above at least. I think even if you don't, you're going to find some nuggets in there that it's going to make it 100% worth your while. Um, if you do sign up for it and it's like, you're like, no, this is not like I teach kindergarten. This isn't working. Just we'll give your money back. But like, we're just trying to create something that to the best of our ability, it will be in, as in depth as humanly possible. But in 45 minutes, I'm not gonna be able to get through every single thing. But it's like, how do I create a unit plan? How do I get everything done in five to six weeks? How do I set up assessments? How do I make sure that I'm getting through everything? How do I pace myself? How am I making sure that this is fun? How am I making sure that I'm differentiating everything that I need to differentiate? How am I implementing IEPs? Like it, it is packed full with information, but that's one. The other one is student engagement. So there's planning a lesson and then there's creating engagement in the classroom. And engagement's not just about creating fun. Um, so that that's going to be something we're going to work on as well. And then the third thing is going to be how to roll out routines, policies, and procedures. Now I realize that's a little bit late for some of you, but some of you have an idea of what you wanted to do and you're going to find things that work and you're going to find things that didn't work as well. And so how can you, I, it is my belief that you can regroup and and, and relaunch a classroom at any point in the year, any point of the year to get it rolling on, on, uh, in a way that is systematized and you're constantly optimizing those systems. And it's going to have your classroom going from either from disaster to good or from good to great, um, is my promise in, in doing this. So that's something that we're going to roll out. We're going to have one every other week. Um, so that it's not like every, and, and I think we're going to do these on, uh, Saturdays is that like when I polled people, it was like either Sunday night, Saturday morning, or, or Thursday night. No, it was surprising that most people were down for Saturday. We were like trying to be cautious about not taking up people's yeah. Saturdays. Well, you were even like, you're like, would you want to do something on a Saturday? And I was like, no, you're right. And so I just put it out there for a poll and overwhelming response was Saturday morning. So I was really yeah surprised so and they'll only awesome. be 45 minutes with a with a 15 minute q a on the back end of it um so if you only have an hour then you can go out and go pumpkin picking or eat you Do know all the family pumpkin things. lattes or whatever or go get your uh, nails done yeah so all that stuff can happen and then those there'll be resources anything i mention in it will that resource will be available as part and look of if you guys process. want anything like we said we create this stuff because people have asked for it people yeah. want deeper trainings than just what a youtube video can can do um yeah and things of that nature so we're developing more and more things but in well hopefully with just you in mind and whatever teachers want or people want to be served so that's the goal so if you ever need anything or feel like you want something from us something new or different a direction a video like email us like send an email we love suggestions so literally all of our youtube videos come from viewer suggestions yeah i don't think of any of them anymore it's like well, i think you used hey, to when i used to and then we were like oh we have a facebook group with five thousand people in it why don't we just ask them or just look at what everyone's talking about and just make a video on this yeah. so yeah so anyway that's what's coming up it will be available this week um i thought i was gonna have it ready by today but there was all kinds of like unforeseen insanity that has been happening this week like the fact that we all have to live on the first floor because we have on one air conditioner and it's been hotter than you know and you know Helen. our dog is now we'd realized is allergic to ground beef yeah. we found out and he was pooping straight blood the other day so i went from so the emergency fun. room for humans for something else to emergency room for my dog to it, it's, it's it's been a, a crazy thing. week here so 
it's so there's it's not ready for today. <laughs> all right, let's answer a few more questions. We are past an hour. Uh, all right, enjoy life is asking. My class sizes are ridiculous. Average size now is thirty five, and administration keeps adding plates. I feel like feeling like the plate might eventually topple. Fighting the good fight, but it is only September. Any advice uh, how to make it through the year? Trying to sprinkle magic, but the bag of uh, tricks. tricks is running low. Thanks for this channel. You got it. So first of all, thank you for saying that I'm happy to do this. Um, you know, one is, I'm going to say this again, right? This, so some of my answers are just how to handle like the things that are given to you. There is something to pushing back against administration and it's not a bad thing, but when you see things that are not right, when you see things that are not happening, that shouldn't be happening, that are against children, that are against the mission, that are, that are, that are the opposite of of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, pushing back and saying, hey, listen, I don't know if anyone noticed this or not, but we have 35 kids in a classroom, right? Like this is, I don't know in what world you think that this, and you could say nicer than this. This is all like, this is how my brain says it. And then like, I'm going the filter in there. happens Yo, later. This is what I'm about to tell them. You know, and then I get in there, I'm like, hey, just a quick question for everyone. Um, I have 35 students in a class and I'm not, really sure how this is like when you're thinking about this when you're planning this when this is coming out like how is this conducive to like best learning practices like this is this doesn't this can't work um there's not enough groups in a room and if you have groups of that's even that's seven groups of five kids right that that is loud you can't go other places in the school like if you want 35 kids walking down the hallway to somewhere else is is a lot now, look, I've seen teachers like do this and do it well. I, I taught with a guy once who had 50 students that he taught at a time in seniors in the lunchroom. My man, Nick Pascal, right? Oh, he, is that who did it? Nick did it. Of course he could do it. He's he amazing. He was like the kid whisperer. Mm -hmm. They were just all paying attention, super quiet. He didn't use a microphone or anything. I'm like, bro, you're unbelievable. Like... So he was incredible. I would um, want to say it's because he's so handsome. Every girl was probably like, oh. It was all boys. <laughs> I know. Um, I didn't. But I mean, maybe some of the kids were. But like, and he was like super sharp dresser. Yeah, he is super handsome. He's the best. I mean, he's but, like all around but he's one just, of those guys. He's mm -hmm. just incredible. So anyway, um, that can happen. But should it happen? Right? Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. So I think pushing back, asking questions, and making sure that, you know, th that's one thing. Two, it's should all the students that are in there be in there, right? Should some kids, I've had classes that were 31, 32 kids, and I had students that had such high needs with regards to an IEP or a 504 that there's no way this is conducive to them, right? That like you put a, you get a class that size and a bunch of IEPs that say student has to have preferential seating, right? Um, there's not enough preferential seating in the classroom to, to facilitate that that need, right? So it's really going and asking back. The other thing is, you know, if that can't happen, there is a part of me that um, it, that still exists, even though I, I really like the pushing back part. It still exists where it's like, and 35 kids in a class? Let me let these kids know that this is uncommon first. We're going to have a conversation. Yo, yo, I need everyone to listen up. I need you on me in four, three, thank you very much. Listen. We all realize that this is too many people in one class. We, there's 35 kids in this class and there's 28 seats. And 
there's a lot of teachers that wouldn't be able to handle this. There's a lot of teachers that would just go home and cry or drink two bottles of wine um, or maybe just get a whole box of wine and, and not be able to handle this. But I'm telling you that we're going to still make this the greatest class ever this year. But to do that, we need to do that together. This is not a me running the show, right? If this is a circus, I could be the ringleader, but y'all are like the acrobats and the people wrestling bears and stuff like that. Like, how can we make this the best class of the year? Listen to what the students have to say, listen to what they need and what they want, and then come in, take that information, go home over the weekend, think about how you're going to implement it, and then come back in on Monday. All right, y'all, listen, listen, this is crazy. This is the craziest, right? Here's what we're fighting against. Here's where we're trying to get to. This is what you said. Here's what we're going to do this year. I want you to know that I listened to every single thing. Some of these things are immediately applicable to our class. Some things we're going to have to grow over time. And some of your ideas like will come later in the year. But here's how we're going to start this off. And it's really creating something that you all feel like you're fighting this good fight together. And that like, like everyone loves an underdog story, right? There's a reason that they keep making Rocky movies over and over and over again. And then they've made tons and tons of movies that were just like Rocky, but it was something, somebody else in a different place. But it is collectively going in on something together and getting your students like almost excited about that. We're like, yo, they think that they're going to put like, I've had classes where everyone knows they're like, yo, this is every bad kid in the ninth grade in here together. And I'm like, yep, they did it on purpose. And guess what? let's have the best class ever let's have every single time they walk in they're like damn yo what like where are where where even are we like and so i love that idea it makes it gets me excited even talking about it but it gets kids excited to like yo they're they thought this was gonna be a problem watch watch what happens now and then doing it and i i think that that's one of the only other ways now look there's ways to systematize and that's something like we'll talk about in workshops i've made a ton of videos on this on like how to kind of wrangle that many uh that many kittens at one time but like that's you know that's a much much longer conversation can we do one more Mm -hmm. do one more all right sean is asking i want to teach my students that respect is the number one rule in the classroom and that all respect is grounded in empathy for others. What are some engaging novels to teach empathy to students? Oh my gosh, that's a really wonderful question. Um, I, Sean, that's going to take me a minute, that one. Well, it looked like he got some recommendations oh, really? in here. So, and I don't know what they are because I can't like dig through the comments fast enough. Um, oh, I Am Human by Susan Verde. It's not a novel, but it works. Um, yeah wonder oh that's a great probably a great book uh, to teach that yeah um okay so if you're not going to use a book what would be your other method like how would you teach that because that's your rule right it is my rule it starts with me um where i'm the one giving respect and then i am the example to that uh i'm you know i think it's that's a good question. I mean, I, I I don't have a quick answer for that. Um, I think that you're stumped. I, I How am, am I supposed stumped? to end on one that you get stumped but, on? <laughs> but I think my answer is the way I teach empathy is by walking kids through it in real life, right? It's like looking at, literally looking at situations and seeing someone getting bullied, seeing someone getting picked on, finding out that someone's getting low-key, like, d- disrespected, finding out that, um, you know... You know, I, I just 
and then creating spaces for those kids were like one of the things and i talked about this in the book also reminds me of when remember um Krabby Patty and his crew would come into my class at the end of the school day and they'd play Gaga every day yeah. and they'd bring in like wigs. This is like LGBTQ plus community, like plus, plus, plus. Like they, they were on some different level um, with, with how they were just so incredible and so open about who they were. But part of that was because they were given safe places in the school. And so one of those places, I am not the be all end all of this. And I, like, I'm not you're looking, one, right? Yeah, you're one, one out one of the person, school. right? But these dudes would all come into my classroom every day after school. They'd blast Gaga and they would bring in like wigs and platforms and outfits. They'd be like walking around and showing each other like what makeup they were doing. Like Krabby Patty did like all that crazy eye makeup. That yeah, was he like, loved makeup. that mm-hmm. stuff was some next level. Like, I don't even know what we're looking at type time. Um, and so at that same time, I would have all the lacrosse players and the football players in my room after school too. And I remember one day these two twins, the Davis twins came in and AC was walking around. He had this wig on that looked like it was going to touch the floor and he is catwalking all over my classroom. And the Davis twins come in and they're like, yo Reynolds, you get down with this. And I was like, I go, and I just said, this room is a safe space for everybody, bro. Like for you and for them. And he was like, they were like, all right, cool. And they just went, they left. But then I thought they were like, we're not doing this. They went and got food at the corner store and came back. And then everyone ate together. They were like all sharing fries and stuff like that. And it was for you, it's about giving opportunities. It is this experiential moment where it's not just always embedded in the lessons, although that is important. It's what are we doing in real life, in real type time where are you creating a safe space for kids to eat lunch for kids to hang out after school before school that kids know that certain dudes like don't smile kyle one of my favorite guys of all time like kyle was no one was allowed to mess with him right. and i instilled that so deeply in kids that like kids would everyone would stand up for kyle like no one messed messed with kyle ever they only ever supported him and, and thought he was the greatest so it's about that kind of real world so that's why i'm getting a little like stuck on that because that's not how i teach empathy although i'm not against it i think it's a good idea i just go about it a different way um are we good i can yeah. keep going but like no you brought that you you uh did i fix that one you saved face on that okay, one right, i brought it back you. around so <laughs> can, you, can you pull that down yeah um so look gang before you go just know that this week you're gonna see um a number of different workshops coming up um you know, let us know. Like, if, if there's anything else that you want to do, you can reach us right by going to realrapwithreynolds.com. There's a little contact thing. It just, the contact thing just shoots you right to my email. You could just email us also at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com, and someone from our team will get back to you typically within 48 hours. That's our, you know, but it's, it's try hard. It depends on how crazy it's it is hard sometimes. <laughs> um, and if you need anything else, the Facebook group is really the spot, man. Go to the Facebook group, drop your question in there, and look. I talked to someone yesterday. I'm not going to put them on blast. If you know other people in the Facebook group, right? There's other people from your school in there. You can post something anonymously. When you do it, when you choose to do anonymous, all it does is it sends, my wife is typically the one who's on top of this. It sends your question to my wife. She just has to approve it so that we don't have people in there that are like anonymously like Satan rules and, you know, or well, like I just think, some derogatory. Oh yeah, it comes non, right? in, right. That's so why it's I just have to, to approve say, it. it mm-hmm. That's the only reason it's set up that way. But you can just go in and, and post things anonymously as well. And then you can get all the help that you need. Um, anything else, wife? Nope. Great. You're a great co-host. Oh, thanks. I try. I really like doing this. When, when are we going to get you on camera? Ooh, when we get an office and a all studio right. and we can we make can it even, Maybe lovely. we can blur you. Ha <laughs> ha!
like I'm a, like you'll a, be there, but you'll, like a protective witness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we black around? We'll, we'll change your voice and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You'll be like one of those people like from a commercial. No, like I. Th- we've been doing this long enough now for like six years. I'm like, I think I could probably maybe Good. do it. You got we'll to. I feel like you're going to feel pressure to like. Oh yeah, get like get together. a shower and get because that's normally not how I look. All I'm right. regular mom life blown up. The sign went out. That means this, the show is over. We'll see you next week, gang. Bring your friends if you need it, um, and have a really great weekend. Peace. <laughs>